0: You are now entering the MixU Podcast. No credentials
1: required.
2: Welcome to episode 21 of the MXU Podcast. We're here again with uh, the three of us rocking it. I'm Andrew Stone, joined by uh, Jeff Sandstrom, out there on one coast. Hi, Jeff. Howdy, boys. And uh, the other coast, Lee Fields. How are you, Lee?
0: Buenos dias, senor.
2: Rock. We are back. With uh, much going on, and we all safely made it through the holidays without killing ourselves or one another or anyone else that we know of,
1: so that's it's a, good. It's a we a banner made it, boys. Year. That's a banner year.
2: <laughs> it is. We made it. <laughs> so, uh, But we've all had a busy, busy month, busy time. I'm sure you guys listening have too, um, so hopefully you're able to come up for air this month and get rejuvenated and kind of think about the year in front of you and all that. Yeah, but
1: we are super excited though about what's coming for MXU in twenty nineteen. Absolutely. We've got a lot of events and a lot of opportunities. And so Lee, you want to fill us in on what's coming up right now and next and soon? Yeah.
0: It's, I do.
2: It's so important that we can't remember what it is. Yeah.
0: I don't know which one I should start with. Should we start with uh, a live event or the, uh, the all
2: access? They're both pretty killer. Should I say just hit one?
0: Why don't we go in okay. cal- calendar order? Okay. I like calendar order. Okay. So in two weeks, is that right? Two, two weeks. To tomorrow? Yeah. MXU Anaheim on January 23rd. Third. Yeah. 9 a.m. till 6 p.m. at your local Saddleback Anaheim campus, featuring the three of us and special guest Robert Scoville.
2: We're uh, we're gonna get him in the room and straighten that guy the crap out.
0: I know. For a guy who won so many awards, I think by the end of the, that that day, he'll finally be a good mixer.
2: Yeah, we're we're hoping anyway. This is, I think, this is more of like our gift to him, perhaps, to really straighten this guy out right once and
1: for all do you guys remember old school saturday night live when they used to do those commercials that were spoof commercials yeah and there was one i think it was hosted by like kevin nealon or one of those old saturday night live hosts Mm. back in the early 90s and there was a commercial for a product called oops i crapped my pants what (laughs) What? It, it was like an adult diaper service, and so there was the scroll through this commercial where everybody was like, "I was in this business meeting, and so and so happened." Oh, thanks! Oop- Oops, I crap my pants because you saved the day. I feel like the whole day for me with Robert is going to be me thanking, "Oops, I crap my pants," because I'm a little intimidated. But you know what? It's going to be a great day. And as much yeah. as as much as we joke about it, I think. I think he's going to have great stuff to say about our mixes, and we're going to have great stuff to say about his, and we're going to be able to critique each other the way we normally do at an MXU yeah. live event, and it's it's going to be great. It's equal footing. It's just, hey, here's a fourth console with a guy who's been around a long time who's going to have great input and receive great input from us, so I can't I, wait.
2: I, we're still trying to work out this issue, though. Uh, you guys know he's... Um He's one of the muckety mucks for Avid. Um, I, I'm I'm in co- trying to help them all understand though that the only re- way we're having them though is because he's going to be doing all his mixes on an X32. So I'm not Avid's. You know they're not completely comfortable with this, but I mean that's how we're going to do it. So that ought to be really cool too. Be See fun. how he's going to get all those plugins working on that on that small console.
0: Uh, he may crack his pants. Yeah. <laughs> that.
2: So that I remember- was that was in jest, by the way.
0: I remember a Saturday Night Live skit recently that – we well, Saturday Night Live generally sucks now. It's, like, not good anymore. Agreed. But there was one – it may have been five or six years ago that was similar to the, oh, I cracked my pants. It was, um, I shipped my pants. Yes. (laughs) And you could – it was a service where you could ship your pants. Yes. So the dialogue in that one was, (laughs) oh, that's great. I, well, shipped my pants over to uh, Jimmy's house or whatever. And then you could
1: you could do other things, too, not just ship your pants. You could ship your bed. It's true. There's a <laughs> lot of shipping options. Uh, speaking of which, you know, on this sort of suggestive, semi-profane start to our episode, <laughs> later in the episode, when we get to our turn down for Mix You moment, mm. I just want you guys to prepare yourselves. If you have children in the room, you might hear some bleeping because we've got some fascinating letters yeah. this month, and I can't wait for you to hear what's coming at the so, end when we get to turn down for MXU. Yeah, it's but fair it's fair warning. not unnecessary
0: censorship. It's actually needed.
2: Ne- this is necessary. So fair warning. Take the next few minutes and find your headphones before we get there. That's okay, right. so
0: then uh, after that, the week after Easter, we're bringing back MXU All Access to Nashville, Tennessee. That's the week That's of fair. April 21st. Yes, April 21st, that Monday through Friday. So here, here's the rundown. If you're unfamiliar with the event, it's a couple days in a house in Nashville. And when I say house, it's 17,000 square feet. It's a massive house. You get together with us in a room with your console and your files and your tracks, and we spend three days hanging out and mixing your tracks. So we did this last year. We had 20 people. It was limited seating. We had 20 people in the house, the three of us. A bunch of guys from our crew came and hang out. And it's literally just like, how can we get better and like spend one-on-one time with as many people as possible and make you better? And we have killer food and we have cool hangs. And it's awesome. So we're going to do that again this year. And we got... Mostly great feedback from last year, but there was a couple things that the three of us didn't really like that we're going to change this year. The biggest one being, you know, the 20 people we had, we actually felt like it could have been smaller. So what we're going to do is limit it this year to even less people. It's going to be 12. So just 12 instead of 20. But we're going to do two groups. So there'll be a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday group. And then we're going to kick the uh, first group out. And then there'll be a Wednesday evening, Thursday, Friday group. So we're super excited about this. We've got some new stuff planned for it. And applications are going to be live.
2: When are they going to be live? This week? Yeah, just within within 24 hours or something. So, so
0: if you're hearing this, it'll either be up already or within a day of the release of this yeah.
2: podcast. And you'll be able to hit that on our site. That'll be uh, one of the main hits on our front page. So
0: It, it is application only. It's not necessarily a first-come, 1st first serve because we need to actually make sure – that we can have as much impact as possible with people coming. So there is a bit of a vetting process. We wish we could have everyone come and anybody, but this isn't necessarily for the beginner. This is definitely for people that feel like you've hit uh, kind of a stalemate with your own personal
1: growth or just want some other eyes on your mixes, um, things like that. One of the things that I loved about it last year was the time that we were working with somebody else, maybe, and then there were guys who were listening in, looking in, kind of learning from them and what we were saying to them as a as a third party. They were taking as much away from what we said to this other guy's mix than we said to their own mix. And then the conversations that happened among pairs or three groups of three or four guys around a table, around a meal, about mixing or about leadership or about their relationship with their worship leader, those kind of things. That was some of the richest time that these guys had. So it's about mixing, but man, it's also about this tribe and this community and all of us trying to get better, not only at what we do, but get better at who we are. And that, that part to me was just awesome.
2: Yeah. It was, uh, we still now we're almost a year later. We have number of these guys that still remark about how this completely changed what they've done since. They're still telling us, they stuck it back to us like this, put this on a completely, put them on a completely different course for how they approach their craft and how they deal with the stuff hitting them on a Sunday or just during the week. It's really, really been a good thing. So, so
0: details, pricing, lodging, schedule, all those different things are on the website. You can go and check all that out and put your application in and we're going to actually select those pretty quick. So the application process will only be a few weeks and then we're going to notify everyone towards the beginning of February. Who's in can't wait
2: that rocks. So additionally, we've got um, just a few days left on our coaching signups and man, the last semester that we just finished of the coaching guys was incredible. Uh, Every time I logged on and kind of hovered on a phone call and, and, saw the conversation going on or saw the stuff on the Slack channel going on. I was like, what the heck? This is really, really great stuff. So some of those guys uh, are going for now a second semester of the coaching. And then a lot of guys are it's first time sign up guys and gals first time sign up. And there's only a few days left on that. By the time you hear this podcast, there's just a few days left. But if you're interested at all to jump in on the coaching thing and get in with a group of like-minded people, um, that where you can just kind of grow a little bit and support and support one another and have, if you, especially if you're out there and you kind of feel like you might be somewhat of a loner, man, let me tell you, you're not, this is a great way to, um, jump in with other people. So a few days left on that one. And then the next sign up won't be until, uh, the semester that happens in the fall. So now's the time to get in on it.
1: And if I could just say a quick word about that, you know, I think the curriculum is great and the official kind of calls and stuff are great. But some of my favorite moments happen during our regular office hours, which are just a random, like join in this video chat and talk about whatever, because that's where people really have a chance to troubleshoot problems, bring up issues that they're having technically, you know, talk about how to handle a Certain conversation or whatever. And it's just all over the map of guys who are just getting help from each other and getting input from other church tech leaders who are just kind of trying to figure out how to make their production teams better. So, um, aside from the official curriculum, I think it's worth the price of admission just for the hang time on the office hour calls. So, if you haven't checked it out yet, please do. We can't wait to see you there.
2: Yeah. And then just making sure everybody knows, uh, if you follow us, you cannot ignore our MXU Now video subscription stuff. It's out there, and it's growing, and a lot of people are getting involved. Um, The emails that we're getting back from people and from worship leaders and some executive pastors and uh, production directors about how they're doing this for their team and their volunteers and getting them a resource they can actually put in front of them. That's making sense. Uh, it's crazy. Like we can't, we've had to hire someone to keep up with the email, just, just of just fielding uh, the responses. So it's a cool thing. It feels like it's something that that's, um, needed. And if you're interested at all in that and you want to check it out, you can get to that too from our website. It makes you now, um, videos. It's pretty cool. If
0: you're not interested and you run a church technical ministry, you're just an idiot. That's what's up with that. (laughs) I mean, really, I'm biased, maybe a little. It's true. But there's a hundred training videos that you can have your entire team access it for 60 bucks a month.
1: And how many times a week do you see a post somewhere on social media asking, where's a good place to get training for my team? I'm not saying that we're the only place. But we are the most efficient, most affordable, most helpful place, I would think. And so, why not? It's cheap enough that you could do this and whatever else you want to do. We just kind do of, it.
2: We've kind of priced it so cheap. I look at it sometimes and go, Did we really make that decision? But we did it so you can afford it. So, it's like, it's not stupid. You can get in on it. And we've got students who are on small, small, small little meager incomes that are doing it and it's rocking their world. So anyway, jump they're actually it.
1: getting, they're getting their money from digging change in, out from in between the cushions of the couch <laughs> just to pay for MXU now. And somehow there's enough money. <laughs> yes. It's like, it's like the widow's oil with Elijah when she's making the bread every day. It's like, somehow I still have my money to subscribe. Wow. What's up, wow. Socrates.
2: Good job. <laughs> this was That's nice.
1: So, so stupid. Reverend
2: Socrates. <laughs> That's it. So, okay. So lads, you guys, we're both in different places for the last week but you were working the same event you were both part of the uh worldwide ish passion conference thing here how'd it go yeah
1: it was awesome it was great it was well man, bananas.
2: i read on facebook that it was terrible i and that you guys were using way too much inserts and compression and stuff i don't know so i didn't hear that huh
0: I mean,
1: I almost rejoined the Facebook group. So, so for Je- those of Jeff, you, yeah. So ahead. for those of you who are on the Facebook group and saw some of the posts about uh, a particular plug-in chain and a particular screenshot of multi-rack, for example, first let me say the reason that that was posted was because of everyone's tendency on Facebook, even as they did last night about the halftime show at the college football championship game, everybody's tendency to Monday morning quarterback or to sideline critique everything that happens on a broadcast event. So the spirit of that kind of sentiment is what led to this post, which was actually a joke. So for those of you guys who didn't get the sarcasm, (laughs) the guy who posted the, the post, um, Let's just say you got trolled because he was actually <laughs> working the event and is a professional and just did the post as a way to poke fun <laughs> so at all good. of our at all of our tendency to just sort of overreact on what we see in here. So um And not not only was he the one who created the post,
0: he was a monitor engineer at a venue at went the, to at, front of house. At the event, yeah. Went to front of house, made a multi rack, and then Filled it full of plugins, and some were copies of each other. It, I mean, that's how fake it
1: was. There were four. Then, there were four EQs on one multi rack uh, slot.
0: And then he's saying things like, "I hope my church can sound as good as this one day." Is this a X thirty two? You know, just going to town. I and even other people commenting on it. Some of them were working the event. Some of them got had because. I guess somebody started Googling their name and then it popped up like, oh, this is Elevation's monitor engineer. <laughs> this is, actually, this so is actually a
1: professional. <laughs> so right. anyway, uh, you know, I apologize on behalf of the poster if you were um, suckered, so to speak. But let it be a lesson. Sometimes what you read on that particular Facebook group has to be taken with uh, several grains of salt. I almost rejoined. It was close. I know you do because I was texting you about it and trying to talk you off the ledge.
0: (laughs) Because I just wanted to read all the comments because it's like 300 comments or something.
1: It's crazy. But luckily, I got screenshots
0: sent to me. I mean, I was getting DMs from people. Oh, there's a particular post on the Facebook group that you're going to be interested in or this is going to really piss you off. And then I knew the whole time that it was Josh and he was the monitor engineer
1: in Dallas. mean it's just top notch. Well, he was it was hilarious because of his delivery of the of his comments. It was just like, oh, this is perfect. So, that notwithstanding, it was a great event. So, Lee, let's talk for a second about some of the actual gear and the logistics yes. and what the event was for guys who only saw it on Facebook who don't really understand what it took to pull it off. And then we can maybe talk about some of the things we learned.
0: Yeah, so we can't talk about any of this without giving major shout-out to a couple guys. Nick Geiger, who is the audio engineer at Passion City Church, and Taylor Charbonneau, the production manager at Passion City. Those guys did a better job advancing, laying out details, documentation, and prep work than I think any event I've ever seen. I've been doing this a long time. I know you have too, and I, I bet you agree I'm speaking for you. It was awesome. The level of detail that these guys went into before the event was uncanny and there's good reason for it so between all four venues outside of local labor so guys on consoles guys
1: you know camera just teching gear Rep- was, and representing the vent the vendors who were bringing in pa and right. lighting and video like not not local sort of stage hands, but just nope. the, the crew for putting it all on hired guns yeah, basically basically
0: oh, what was the total 450 450 450 of us is what it took to pull this off so each venue had over 100 i think ours had 150 people so and these aren't 450 people that are in production meetings for months before an event all working together these are people flying in to a city walking into a venue and trying to execute it not knowing anything not knowing run sheets or anything like that so you can imagine how important all that documentation is so these guys put stuff together that's like, um, for here's the audio one for example. There were details of which direction people are coming from on the stage, at what point you should start to raise their fader, because like if you're a pastor, you know with your audio engineer at your church, at what point your mic is going to be hot. So we had details that's great. like when they get on deck, just bring it up halfway in case they talk. When they go to the downstage edge, just go ahead and take it to zero. They know they may talk at any point. So it's stuff like that, all kinds of details. We knew if a mic failed, who would make the call to switch that mic out, where that would come from on calm, what the procedure was for a backup for a third backup, all of that for lighting, video media server, camera ops. There were details for everybody. Dude, I I love
2: that because way back when uh, the first time I ever met Taylor he was still up in uh, Twin Cities at uh, Eagle Brook, I think, and even then, when they're they're one of the they're one of the big churches up there that's got like twelve thousand campuses, and so they were really in the middle of trying to figure out how do you start doing campuses in a great way, and it was his detail stuff that was starting then, and that was one of the first things that was remarkable about him when I met him was how well he did that it's so cool to see that he's able to do that on such a or production manage that kind of detail on such a big level now
1: it was remarkable and so i was sitting in a different seat this year normally you know since since passion 07 i've been sitting behind a console mixing my first passion was as a production team volunteer in 05 okay so 14 years ago was my first passion conference sitting behind a console since 07 So this year, I was actually sitting in the producer chair, um, co-producing the venue in Dallas. So just to have a calm headset on and hear all of what it took to coordinate, even after all that planning, right? You've still got producers on headset who are reminding and re-reminding and double-checking and all that. Just trying to make sure that nobody, you know misses a cue or make sure they have the plan for the plan for the plan for the backup if that it's if that's needed i mean it's just it's remarkable to to just listen in and that's before you listen to any comm from a video director or an ld or anybody who's actually calling spots or calling cues for cameras i mean just the comm chatter it's like oh yeah. my goodness this but is but you can
2: but you can apply that premise to any situation that's where some of the people that look at like on Facebook and look at some of the stuff that are, and we referred to earlier uh, that are the armchair quarterbacks and all that. They look at that stuff and they kind of have a chip on their shoulder because it was so huge. It's such a grand scale. Lee, you were telling me how many channels, uh, 64 channels or something of just audio coming from other venues around the nation. Right. uh, Just, just to be able to pull some of that up when you needed it. That's crazy amount of detail. But the point is, and Jeff, to your point, the details are what makes the event go off without a hitch. Those details take you from good to great. I've preached that for almost 30 years now, and it's so cool that you guys are talking about how informative the details were, and that's literally one of the things that took that, that event because, I mean, let's just face it. That event is ripe for chaos to be in control. I mean, good Lord, all the artists and all the stuff that's going on.
1: Well, and honestly, technically last year we experienced the chaos for the first time in a way that actually almost brought the whole thing down. Like the opener last year didn't happen because of technical glitches. And so part part of the desire and the urgency to get everything planned so well was because we finally hit the threshold of how much time we had versus how much there was to do. And it almost fell apart completely. So, cheers to the team for recognizing that, pivoting, figuring out how to adapt and, and get it right. But, you know, we've said before around here on blog posts and as we've chatted and in our live events, maximum preparation paves the way for maximum flexibility. And so the only way we could do an audible, the only way we could be ready to pivot and punt in real time if there needed to be a change was for all of that planning and all of that preparation to be in place to the point that everybody could react and go, okay, we're going to do this instead across four venues, across a thousand miles with only, what, 120 milliseconds of latency between all four venues. And everybody's ready to react and Mm -hmm. go, okay, I got it. Let's do it.
0: Yeah, and just to run down the uh, audio backbone, what was happening. So like Stone, you just said it was 16 discrete inputs from all four venues to all four venues. So it wasn't like a venue is just sending 16 out for another venue to control. No, every venue had 16 inputs that were sent to all four. So there's three consoles at every front of house, a production desk, a guest desk, A and B. So two consoles, like a, you'd see a normal festival. This band's on this one, and there's another band on the second one.
1: And the reason well, we the up. reason we had to do that was because sometimes the session would start with one band, and then after the talk, another band would lead worship coming out of that. And there was no way to change and swap console files in real time because we preset. Basically, we had both bands sound checked before we started, so that there was no. The, it was a seamless transition between band A into the talk into band B. So th- that was the reason for the A and B desks, plus the production desk.
0: And all of the desks at front of house were Digico SD12s. So the SD12 can do 72 inputs, and that's also counting your returns. Now, if you recall, we have 64 inputs just for the audio sync. So that doesn't leave too many to do everything else. Talkbacks, talkbacks. Our console in downtown Atlanta was the actual backbone for how all that stuff was um, tied together. So we're doing that there. You've got talkbacks, click, timecode, the guest desk, A and B, also coming into there, and then producer and IFBs for all the hosts because they're all linked up talking to each other across the nation. So they had a whole IFB system as well and two Digico SD10s at monitors just doing the band desks.
1: That sounds like more than 72 inputs to me, Lee. What on earth would we do?
0: So the Digicos have macros or like user-defined buttons. They have 25 of them. Our console in Atlanta, 21 of the 25 were being used to replace input patching to bring in channels that weren't on the desk at one point that we needed for another. It's a bit nutty, but that's what we had to do. We had a whole... The master screen page, you know, you can dump just a meter on that page Well, you can meter things that are patched into the SD racks that aren't on, patched onto the desk. So we had both consoles from the guest fan. All we had were meters. There were no faders because we didn't have any time code, click, things that you don't need it for in a house, but we still need to make sure they're getting to where they need to go. All we had were
1: just meters. So that's what the kind of like com- complexities that we were dealing with. So one of the learnings is if you know if we if we go back and say yes it was a great event and we were thrilled that we got to be a part of it and there were so many things that were awesome there were a couple of things that we learned that we can probably apply to some of our audience who's never going to have this kind of conference or setup or event one is that very thing that you described about the channel count limitation was a pretty massive limitation because if any one of those twenty one macros got misassigned or got fat fingered or didn't get recalled at exactly the right time, there was an opportunity for stuff to be sent or received in the wrong way. Yeah. And because we have so little time for rehearsals in the heat of the moment, when you're doing a five AM sound check with band A and then a five forty sound check with band B for a session that starts because doors have to open in thirty minutes, it's it's a lot to manage in the heat of the moment. So some of the things that you guys who are listening may have heard online that wasn't awesome about the stream was most likely because of something like that. So one thing, like we said with Pat and some of the other guests that we've had on here who do these big events, before you start throwing the hammer about judging how awful it is, just take a second and think about what it takes to pull this off. And just understand that nobody in the room is any less than a world-class expert at what they do. They surrounded themselves for this event with the best people in the world at this. And there's still glitches because there are some limitations and it's live and it's, you know, all of those things. So there's a bit of grace that needs to be extended. But then on the gear side, like how would you apply this to the local church, Lee?
0: Yeah, so, you know, Nick was at my venue, the guy who designed all the, the audio system. And like we said, did a absolutely phenomenal job. A couple hours into it, after I started realizing, well, we're really being handcuffed here by some gear choices, which isn't very common. Usually, you can get gear to do what you want it to do, but 72 inputs on a desk that 64 of them are already assigned to, that's a whole other issue. So I asked him. I said, hey, talk to me about the decision for SD12 and not a bigger console. Even SD10 would have been a much better choice. And the reason was... Last year, they did a transmission to other cities, but they didn't do it to four cities. Well, all of this gear was reserved in June of this year. That was before they had chosen to do four cities. We needed 30 consoles. So when you're talking about that much gear, renting them from specific places, you actually have to go six months out and start holding the gear. Well, three months ago, when they realized, oh, shoot, we're going to have to start sending multiple inputs here, there. We're going to need to do 16 discrete this year, not eight from three cities, but 16 from four cities. And we're going to have to do IFB. More stuff just keeps getting added on and added on to the point where it was almost too late. So trying to find 30 new consoles a month ago is just not feasible. The console files that actually had actually already been built and tested because of the opener, time code was coming from one venue, triggering lighting and video at every venue across the country. And they were testing all that stuff with local console files before. So it was like, can we make this work? Well, yes, we can make it work. Is it ideal? No. So Jeff, you and I were talking like, what's the lesson here? It's sometimes when you can make the console do things that it shouldn't do on paper and you do it anyway, you're actually biting yourself in the tail. So sometimes you actually do need to say,
1: no, we can't do that. But- the caveat is that doesn't mean that if you run into this thing once, you don't necessarily have to go and buy a new console. Right. In other words, if, if your Christmas show requires this, then go rent a console for a couple of grand and not hamstring your budget and tie your church to a thing that you only need once in a while so there's a balance right but if as we've said before if you're literally out of inputs if you have one spare input for your 24 input band okay it might be time to consider an upgrade if you've got you know only so much processing and you're always redlining your DSP in your digital desk okay we might need the next model up or whatever but you know we'll, we'll always advocate for wisdom wisdom with stewardship on new gear purchases But there is a time when it's appropriate. So again, this is a great example of just a real-time situation where, man, we could have really used an upgrade here because of XYZ, but we had to compromise because of other things to make it work. And we did. So um, it's a good learning, I think, for all of us.
0: And you got to know how to explain this stuff to the right people. So if you are asked something like, um, this actually happened to us in Atlanta, that last session, Louie speaking, and... He's speaking, but worship is going to come from another venue and keys from from somewhere else. And it got a bit complex. And the producer asked, hey, can you make sure Louie's mic is not in the mix minus
1: we're sending out this session? And this is like five minutes before we're about to start. And the reason for that is because every other venue is taking an ISO of Louis's mic so that they can get it down the broadcast consoles. So if we... Had Louie's mic ISOed, but then we brought up the mix minus for the band to pad underneath him, and his mic was in that band mix, then we would hear any latency. It might get knocked out of phase. It wasn't tested that way. There were just right. op- problems that could have happened.
0: Yeah. So when he asked that question, I have to say yes, but if we do that and this isolated mic from Louis goes down, every other venue needs to know he's also now not in the mix minus because the mix minus before that session was a catch-all, it could have been your backup for anything that went wrong. So he says, okay, thanks for letting me know. So I then I have to get on calm, tell every audio lead at every city, hey, if Louis' primary microphone goes down, the backup will also not be in the mix minus. Or, or coordinate things like, okay, then the layer three backup, do we need to pull that out of the mix minus also? And then you have to tell the broadcast truck, because are they relying on anything that you're doing in the mix minus. So it's my point in saying all this is, when you get asked, hey, can we send this signal here? And you scratch your head for a minute and you're doing math and technical hula hoops in your head. And then you say, yes, we can do that. Sometimes that's actually not the right answer. Sometimes it needs to be yes. But if I do that, that means X, Y, and Z. So that then they make the decision, okay, so now we're sacrificing a a backup mic or no, now I can't have keys at the end of the message or now I can't pull this camera shot and put it in the lobby because I'm taking up an output from here or there. But a lot of times we just try and flex our technical intelligence and go, yes, we can do that. Not knowing that 10 other things are now going to
1: go wrong because you said yes to one thing. That's so good. Stone, is your brain scrambled right now because you don't know what a mix minus is or are you okay?
2: I just don't know if I care. (laughs) <laughs> but, but there's a mix minus
1: <laughs> yeah but it was it overall it was it was a great experience and it was i know you know at the end of the day you know the students who were there who were impacted by the content many of whom were changed forever because of what we were able to be a part of and that that's pretty significant and that's that's cool
0: it was something else to see louie at the end of this, his first talk Say, if you've already written your suicide letter, you are not the only one who knows and who has read that letter. Jesus has also read it. And we're going to set you free of that. Stand up if that's you and see people stand up that had already written their final goodbyes. Change their life is remarkable.
2: Hmm. Guys, listening to that experience, it I think the coolest part is what you guys said about Lee, what you just said about how Louie got up there and was able to have that kind of an impact on students. I also noted one of our own, um, our waves guy that's, uh, that we're all close to had a post where I just showed about, um, showed all the local crew at one of these venues. You said one of them, you know, it was like 150, you know, qualified technicians that were spending some time praying for him and his family and, yeah. his, and his daughter. And, that post, I was like, that's cool. It wasn't about, yeah, the, all the stuff you guys said about the gear and the way all these details had to work together is, is mind scrambling how that can work. But when it's all working for the glory of something so cool and so positive, and then you see all these technicians that spend their life working out these details, but they'll take a minute on a crazy schedule. I knew the schedule you guys had on this thing. And there's like, there wasn't even time to eat or sleep, but right. they'll take a minute out to pray for one of their own. And for family members of his that they don't even know and have never met. That's where it kind of boils down to like where the leadership component comes into this whole thing and why we actually mess around with all this gear and all this stuff and all this. So that was, um, being close to you guys and knowing what you were in the middle of, and then seeing some of the results of that just from afar for those few days, that was pretty telling as to the caliber of people that you're putting in the room. And it wasn't just from the technical side; it was from yeah,
1: totally. Yeah, that's cool.
0: So Stone, while we were doing all that, you guys your like most important weekend of the year outside of holiday is the comeback after Christmas.
2: Yeah, of course.
0: So, talk to me about that. What was that like for you guys?
2: It's it's crazy when we um, when we look at the analytics of and our metrics through the year of of what you do, and I think this is the case for almost every church. Uh, most people look at at man Easter and Christmas. That's the time when everything's great. But the most people that most churches have show up that are actually interested in being a church member and retaining. Uh, their their walk with Christ or pushing forward into further discipleship or getting involved in what the church does. I'm not talking about what we do for a weekend, but what the church actually is here for, and that's the spiritual component of, these, of everybody. Um, that's usually the first weekend back uh, in January when you look at it. So after all the crazy hoopla of Christmas and the high attendance and all that, you're actually, what you're left with, that first weekend is the people that are trying to make some life change. So for us this weekend and for, for a lot of churches is, is a number one. If you're going to rate your, your weekends on a scale of how important it is, it's a one. So that was cool, you know, obvious new series, new stuff, all that. But it was, uh, we had an interesting thing come in because we, we, it's, it's a little bit of a unique situation because our lead pastor, um, is a creative and he led the creative team and, um, has very much built church on the move to what it is now underneath the leadership of his father, of course the founder, but he's been the visionary of all the crazy creative stuff we've gotten into and all that. So for him to step away and just lead from a pastoral sense, that's a big deal. I mean, that's a, cause you've got to let go of some of that other stuff. Um, but I could tell when he came in on Saturday, we were rehearsed and, but you know, just doing our last, doing a last run through. And I had texted him right before then, and I said, "Do you want to make sure you're in the room, just to hear the last run through and make sure you have the tone of how the band's put together the weekend and all that?" And he said, "Yeah." And he and he came in, and it, that was cool. Um, but man, I could just tell through the course of the the set, like his body language and stuff, he was not pleased with with, with some stuff or whatever. And you know what? That's okay. Uh, we all, I think in, in leadership and everything we do, you can't always come in and, you know, we just talked about earlier about armchair quarterbacking. We got to be careful that we don't do that. You know, we know how it feels when people do it to us, but anyway, there was just some, I could just sense some tension. Long story short, I I just knew I left the I left the chair and I mean this is like 10 or 12 minutes before we're, we're starting and it's full house big deal everything's primed and I was able to actually go back and have a conversation with him backstage and I'm trying to ignore my watch cuz I mean everybody's freaking out wondering where I went and cuz you know we can't start till I get back in the chair and we were able to actually have some dialogue And it just reminded me so much of how our pastors and our guys in leadership on any level need our support. And I think sometimes we get in that sense when we're in the chair that those guys are a pain in the butt sometimes because they ask us to change stuff or they ask us to, they're not happy with something that we worked so hard on or they hate a specific light color or they, why is the audio so loud or why are the lights on somebody's face or, and it's almost offensive Right, Because we're like, what do you mean? I mean, we worked on this all week. What's your problem? Um, I was just reminded having that conversation with him that that guy of everybody in the building needs to know that I love him, that I support him, and that I'm freaking there agreeing with what he's doing, and I've got his back. Whether, whether it's my cup of tea or not – If that's the mantle that I've taken on myself and I've agreed to be there, they've got to know that even for the passion thing, all those hundreds of people in all those venues that were there as a support role, they have to be on the same page or there's no point in you being there. Totally. So having that conversation with him, it literally, we got to a different level in just, just five or six minutes. And I, I take it back to, um, you guys will know what I, what I mean by this is that we had a tour manager conversation and sometimes a tour manager on a, on a tour is the same as maybe a, 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 a coach would do. You need to go in there and make sure someone just knows the true facts and the truth of what's going on so that they can be released to do a better performance. Or their ministry could be released to be a little more accurate or a little more in tune with where the Holy Spirit wants to guide them versus whether man flesh wants to guide them, whatever it is.
0: Yeah, because having their back doesn't mean doing whatever they say and making them happy all the time.
2: That is exactly right. Sometimes you've got to be able to push back and say, I love you enough to disagree with you and to give you a different viewpoint. It's point counterpoint. You can't surround yourself with
1: yes people all the time and expect to do well. You know, because sometimes their insecurity or their reaction or their kind of knee-jerk emotional response is because of intentional changes that you're making that nobody is really sure whether or not it's going to work. That's right. And so it's like, we're going to try this new thing. And then if, if there's not somebody who can say, we got you in this moment, if if everything falls apart we're still in this with you. It right. just gives them a different level of confidence and a different level of feeling of team and you know some of that insecurity because we don't know what they're carrying. Man, and and we we can't imagine what they're carrying.
2: And I don't want to carry that. I mean, that's not what that's not the mantle God put on me, but here's the thing. If you can't walk up to your senior leader or your worship pastor or your executive pastor or whatever, and tell them with all confidence that you are the very best person to be be in your position right now and you're making the very best decisions for the sake of the of the greater good then you need to get to where you can say that if you can't walk up to them and go i am making i am making the very best most qualified decision that i can on your behalf right now trust me to do that if they can literally let go of that and let you take it, and not get up on stage and worry about if their mic's going to work, or if the PA is going to feedback, or if you know the people are getting offended by the music or whatever, then you've got a, something you can work on. That that was the whole thing of going. We have got in the same way you guys talked about passions surrounding themselves with. The most, the best of the best of the best in every capacity, from the stage crew to the TV truck and everybody in between. I got to share that with our pastor before he went on and did one of the most important messages of his year and make sure he knew that we have hired the absolute best people to work here. And we have vetted the volunteers and have the very best volunteer crew to work here today to support you and your message and to get up on stage and do the music and do the technology and greet the people in the very best manner. And it's all to support you. That doesn't get to be said very often. I think we all assume that these guys are larger than life and they've got it all figured out. And they've, man, they get up on stage and they command authority. But let me tell you something, they have self-esteem issues too, and they have self-doubt too, and they have uh, feelings of, am I measuring up okay too, in ways that we can't even imagine. So I could just tell what happened. There was a freedom there. There was a, some dialogue that ended up happening with between him and our band that literally set them free to flow with an anointing on, on the music that I haven't heard them do ever, ever since. And that's 14 years I've been here. I've never seen that happen on that service, completely set them up in a different way. And so cool. That to me was just a true Testament of, of, um, being able to, to give support the right way. Oddly enough, the series they started, uh, it was called real. <laughs> so, I was like, what a great demonstration over the weekend of how to just be real with one another.
1: You know, That's awesome. That's so good. Well, you know, it reminds me, you know, last, last episode we shared uh, what Bissy Elliott had to say from one of her um, responses to our questions at the MXU forum. We got a great response on another question from our senior pastor representative there, Justin. We're going to hear from him on how to have a partnership with your senior pastor. Maybe it's about having a tough conversation or how he makes sure that you know that you're in support of each other, all that kind of stuff. So take a listen.
2: All right. Does a fear of potential technical problems hinder your ability to
3: communicate? I don't think so. Uh, I. When things go wrong in the moment, I have to while I'm talking to the church, talk to God so that I don't. my inside voice doesn't become my outside voice. I don't want to baby shame, I've learned. You know. You don't want to shame the parents with the crying child because we've all been that, but it's just like, hey, you know, I spent a lot of time preparing this and you're eight months old, that's just rude. So you want to shame that family. Somebody needs to read Growing Kids God's way. Hello people, let's go. Put that kid on a leash. So you don't say that stuff out loud in a room of thousands of people. Um, But, you know, I think as a lead pastor, you kind of get the job because you at least have some ability on your feet to go with it. Corey, he's one of my dudes. He's been with me forever. And um, some of our best moments in the history of our church have come because of technical malfunctions and the ability to just go, hey, what are you going to do? Like we, we designed our first new building so poorly that every time it rained, You couldn't hear me like it just went deaf in the room and we uh we have a church in Florida so that was brilliant right (laughs) because it only rains every week and you would just be like okay there we go we're just gonna listen to the rain for a while that surely wasn't Corey's fault what he what's what's he gonna do you know it's just uh so you just roll with it you find funny things to say and uh so at this point for sure it doesn't like I'm not seized by fear I kind of know uh like We're only at three services right now at our broadcast location, which is a blessing. But something is going to go wrong. First of all, thank you guys for what you do. And like without what you do, I'm a guy... I guess, handing out tracks at Walmart. I don't know how I'm spreading the gospel (laughs) if I'm not mic'd up, if I don't have production, if I don't have a stage, if it's not well-lit. So like, and you guys are managing literally a thousand moving parts at any given time. I have a manuscript that I wrote that if it goes bad, that's me, you know, this is my thing. And I actually don't have to play well with others. You guys do, and you're calling things real time. Something's gonna go wrong, I would say every service, but certainly every weekend. And so to some degree, you have to give yourself permission to fail. Okay, so
1: so for the guys sitting here who have a pastor who doesn't have that understanding or that perspective or that relationship like you have with Corey, what would you say to this tribe to say, hey, here is maybe something that you can do to start that healthy conversation or to lead up into that to help your their pastors get some of that understanding. Because part of it on our side is we don't really know what these guys are carrying when they walk in. I mean they're responsible for leading all of these people and communicating a message that's hopefully going to transform lives toward the gospel so sometimes we take that lightly and they're like well they don't have their notes ready again this is always late what are we going to do this time it's like okay we're going to give them a break so let's just agree to that first but then on the other side of that conversation how can these guys come to you and say you know it would really help us in preparing if you did this and this and this." Like. Because it is a two way thing, so you have a great understanding. But for the senior leader
3: out there who doesn't, I like to think so. Yeah. Thank you, Jim. Yeah. yeah, I tell myself that daily. I'm... Just look in the have mirror. A great understanding. Great understanding. <laughs> it's a long affirmation. I so, start but with. when it's when it's not that way. Yeah. Okay. So that's it's all relationship, yeah. and we forget that. And poss- possibly the worst relationship in the church is going to be from like somebody behind the scenes tech and then the guy that's on stage, a lot of wrong assumptions on both ends. A lot of weird stereotypes about who you people are uh, I just happen to be friends with the guys that do that at my church, so I realize that you're not all that way. Some of you are, and it's clear. Like, look around the table; you can tell which ones. But, <laughs> and I'm not even saying what the stereotype is, but but then there's all there's a ton of those back towards us as well. You know, the egomaniac, narcissistic. That guy just you know thinks that when he walks, you know, he he sweats and it's anointing. So. <laughs> It's just, honestly, it's not true. Some of the most insecure people I've ever met do what I do for a living. And they wake up every day going, shoot, I've got to be a lightning rod in the face of this church. And nobody ever posts a Google review and says, you know what, I bumped into the tech director and he was a little introverted. And so I'm not going back to that church. (laughs)
2: Like...
3: They, what they say is yeah the lead pastor this and he made one comment in a 40 minute message that i didn't like and so now i'm judging his entire uh life's work on that i judge the entire church based on i saw that man in a restaurant i accidentally read google reviews about myself a couple years ago because at dinner my son I, I was we were talking about how tough it is to be a public figure and how you just need to and i told him all the right things and uh and, and then he said oh that's good dad you have a really good handle on that because man I was reading some of your google reviews <laughs> and and he's like and it's tough what people say and I was like instantly like a teenage girl I was like what do you mean what do they say <laughs> and he, he, he just he's like oh that's no big deal but just one of them I was like that's not true that's not me at all I'm not defensive so <laughs> like I went in my room and cried and uh it was so, but it's tough. It really is a tough job. And what I love is if my tech director or production team, any one of those guys says, Hey, I would love to schedule some time with you because I would just love to hear your heart. You know, Andrew did that not too long ago. And I mean, we ended up in my office for two and a half hours. I don't imagine on the front end he would have said, I bet I can get two and a half hours of the lead pastor's time. Uh, And I probably wouldn't have scheduled that much, actually. But we just ended up connecting and talking. But it's an honor for me to get to know the people that I serve with. And sometimes I feel like you guys are busy. I don't want to mess your world up. But if you're just saying, hey, you know, how can I serve you? It's my job to serve you as well. And I understand that not every guy does. But you don't know what he's going through. And he needs to know, especially in larger churches, my people, lead pastors of large churches, are running around wondering who hates them wondering who on their team is going to start a coup, wondering what they're mumbling about in the back room. And they're trying to be godly and do the best they can, but the decisions they make every day impact people and they never know. It's a weird world. And so for you guys to say, hey, I appreciate the vision. I'm here because of your heart, your vision. I want to serve you well. What can I do better? And when you start with that kind of stuff, guess what? You automatically have the opportunity to share with me because now we have relationship. You can't do that if you don't have relationship. Relationship is influence. And so if I want influence with the lead pastor, and dude, we are cheap and we're easy. I'll just tell you that about lead pastors. Get us a dumb little gift or whatever or just schedule some time and just tell us we're awesome and we'll believe you. So so good. I, I think I speak for the vast majority of lead pastors. We're cheap and easy. So don't tweet that if you don't mind. Uh, but... <laughs>
1: Man, that was so good. I love hearing his perspective and his just funny demeanor, but about a really heavy and potentially serious thing. But I think the lesson for all of us is none of us needs to pay attention to our Google reviews because it's just trouble every time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or
1: Facebook. For or their Facebook, Facebook or any of the likes right. or any of the hearts and all that stuff. It's like, you know what? We're where God wants us to be and we're a team going toward a goal that's bigger than any of that. So let's keep that in mind. All right we've come to the point in the show where it's we have time. to figure out how we turn down for MXU. Stone,
2: Man, okay. we got, these are great. So remember earlier in the show when we said, uh, make sure you're, you know, you've got your, like, don't, don't be blasting this on your PA, I guess for soundcheck fodder or something. We've got a couple real doozies here that uh we're gonna zip through real quick where uh I guess I guess the emphasis with using certain slang terms is okay in, in, in some of our comments. So this will be uh some uh necessary uh bleeping on these. So <laughs> We're gonna go. Uh, some I'm, I'm this one. This first one is a long letter. I'm not gonna read all of this. It's uh, kind of makes my head hurt to read that much. But I am gonna read a couple parts here so the guys can hear it. This is great. This was sent in by someone that's part of a um, kind of a big, a big festival, big Christian festival that happens every year that all of us have been to um, many times. Um, but I, we're just reading part of this because of something that's in the first paragraph so I thought that was cool we are so I'm just gonna read this little chunk we are no longer interested in your so-called Christian festival it is most definitely not you commercialized and ruined what used to be a faith-inspired event that used to be magical it is now rude pagan and not enjoyable in the least in fact it's like watching (laughs) So, pagan. That was good. In fact, it's like watching three good scenes of a play, and then having to watch someone take a sh- on stage. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, this isn't real.
2: This is so real. I'm like reading this quote. This is the actual email that was sent. So he
1: he sent this letter to the festival organizers. Yes, unreal. <laughs>
2: I mean, what the heck? And and here's the thing, the next paragraph uh he completely um so he just says that. The next paragraph he talks about he's a radio frequency engineer by trade and he actually quotes a bunch of not just quoting useless OSHA data. Um I'll just read this real quick. I'm a radio frequency engineer by trade, and your absurd overmodulation of low frequencies, 40 to 70 hertz to be exact, exceeds the OSHA safety limits first and completely distorts and destroys the potential beauty of subtle music harmonics, dynamic range, acoustic fidelity, and other musical details. Something your event staff, stagehands, and most of your performers obviously know nothing about. <laughs> I was like, wow. He's at least articulate. Well, and then this? just
0: goes and, and then, take a dump on stage.
2: It yeah. So <laughs> that's all we're gonna read from this guy, but man, it's uh it goes on and on and on and on in some some very interesting yet uh disturbing ways, I think.
0: You should save that one and we just occasionally come back and read new sections of it. Yeah, we
2: could get three or four or five different chunks out of this one. So yeah, we'll is keep like that a, one around.
0: Is, it's got to be m- multiple pages.
2: Yeah, I think if you printed it, this would be three pages long.
1: It's, oh my goodness!
2: It's and it's all broken up in paragraphs. There's no, you know, a lot of times we make fun of people because they can't punctuate or spell right. Oh, it's a it's a formal letter. This is a real like it's actually from someone who's, um, either building bombs in a shed out in the middle of the woods, or <laughs> could be a <laughs> businessman. So anyway, so there's that. So thanks for that that submission. Uh, that was pretty cool. Here's another one that was texted to, to me uh, from someone that I know. And this is pretty awesome. Now, remember, we're still uh, doing necessary censoring here today.
1: And this is from a church.
2: This is from a freaking church. Yes. So I'm going to read this text. I'm not going to embellish anything here. Here we go. I actually have a story that just happened the other day that thought you guys may get a chuckle out of. On Sunday, I was staying late at one of our campuses to do some wiring for some outdoor speakers we were adding. At this point, the only people that were there were me and the two cleaning ladies. As they were leaving, one of them asked what I was doing. I explained that I was getting some wire ready for the outdoor speakers that we're adding. The other replied, oh, you don't need to put those up. All you have to do is open up the front doors because it's so loud (laughs) and and he goes she said it exactly as i typed it all of that included then they just walked away continued their conversation from before
0: (sighs) that's amazing
1: unbelievable
2: i want to attend that church because they're free that's good
1: so so next time anybody tells you that it's too loud just remember <laughs> turn down for mxu
2: <laughs> that's so good uh, so there you have it so man if anybody's got certainly we should be overwhelmed with comments from you guys after all of the christmas stuff everybody did so send it on send it to us um drop us a line at info at rock so we can uh read this stuff and enjoy it with you
0: all right this is here's some real life we got to wrap
1: this podcast up because i've got to go set in a bunch of meetings at my job Mm -hmm. (laughs) same here well like they used to say on car talk uh once again you've wasted another good hour (laughs) listening to the mxu podcast (laughs) so thank you guys for being with us today Andrew and Lee, I can't wait till we see each other in person in Anaheim. So guys, don't forget if you're still on the fence, get your Anaheim tickets. If you're already coming to MXU Live in Anaheim, bring a friend, don't come alone. This is meant to be experienced with your team. So if you have a ticket, get another one and bring your volunteer, bring your buddy, bring some kid who needs some encouragement, whatever, cause we'd love to see you there. What else guys?
0: All access applications are hot.
1: Go get them. Do it.
0: I think that's a wrap, folks. Peace out. Bye-bye. Bye.